Hello, you're listening to a service from the Hill United Presbyterian Church in Butler, PA. We're located at 501 2nd Street near the hospital. We encourage you to attend a service and experience the message and our hospitality in person. Today's sermon was recorded on February 16th, 2020, and was presented and written by Reverend Lee Benish. It's entitled, God's Promise, Guidance. This recording was done for archive and general purposes, and our first reading reading comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, verses 13 through 20. Let us listen in for the word of our Lord. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law of the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. I tell you the truth. Until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen, will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Anyone who breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commandments will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now let's listen in on the service. Our word from the prophet this morning comes from Isaiah. We'll be reading chapter 58 verses 1 through 12. You can find it starting on page 647 in the Old Testament in your pew Bible if you'd like to follow along there. Here, God responds to the complaints of the Hebrew people who have been living in exile. Listen now for God's word to us. Shout out. Do not hold back. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. Announce to my people their rebellion, to the house of Jacob their sins. Yet day after day they seek me and delight to know my ways, as if they were a nation that practiced righteousness and did not forsake the ordinances of their God. They ask of me righteous judgments. They delight to draw near to God. Why do we fast, but you do not see? Why humble ourselves, but you do not notice? Look, you serve your own interests on that fast day and oppress all your workers. Look, you fast only to quarrel and to fight and to strike with a wicked fist. Such fasting as you do today will not make your voice heard on high. Is such a fast that I choose a day to humble oneself? Is it to bow down the head like a bulrush and lie in sackcloth and ashes? Will you call this a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this the fast that I choose, to loose the bonds of injustice, to undo the thongs of the yoke, 
to let the oppressed go free and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover them and not to hide yourself from your own kin? Then your light shall break forth like the dawn and your healing shall spring up quickly. Your vindicator shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry for help and he will say, here I am. If you remove the yoke from among you, the pointing of the finger, the speaking of evil, if you offer your food to the hungry and satisfy the needs of the afflicted, then your light shall rise in the darkness and your gloom be like the noonday. The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your needs in parched places and make your bones strong. And you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters never fail. Your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt. You shall rise up the foundations of many generations. You shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to live in. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Gracious God, as we gather here this morning, we attend to our piety and to our religiousness, yet sometimes this is just a mask. Be with us in this moment. Open our hearts that we may look beyond ourselves and our own needs to the needs of your children around us. And may we, too, be repairers of the breach. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts gathered together be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Part of the process of becoming a pastor, for me anyway, was to go through a psychological evaluation. I don't know if you all had to do it. No? Oh, I just got lucky, I guess. Mine consisted of a three-day-long group process where we sat around, we talked about our lives, and we had individual meetings with a psychologist. And it also included a variety of personality tests. Perhaps you've done some of these tests, too. You're asked this long list of questions, and at the end, you're categorized into different groups, and theoretically, you've identified your strongest and weakest personality traits. My psyche val included the MBTI, the Myers-Briggs type indicator. Many of you have probably done that as well. I also had to take the MMPI, the Minnesota Multiphasic Personality Inventory. These are fine, but the personality test that I'm most resonating with these days is the Enneagram, which is a somewhat complex model of nine distinct personality types. And as I've been learning more about this model, I'm really starting to embrace my identity as a nine, which the Enneagram Institute calls the peacemaker. Here's how they describe it. They say nines are accepting, trusting, and stable. They are usually creative, optimistic, and supportive. I can get behind all that. But 
they can also be too willing to go along with others and keep the peace. They want everything to go smoothly and be without conflict. But they can also tend to be complacent, simplifying problems and minimizing anything upsetting. Nines want to create harmony in their environment and to avoid conflicts and tension. Guilty. I am a classic conflict avoider. This is something I've really had to work on because conflict, of course, is unavoidable in the church and in part of living together. But it's not my natural instinct. I do like to keep the peace. I'm the one in the corner when everyone else is fighting, saying, can't we all just get along? As you might imagine, being a nine, a peacemaker, one who likes to avoid conflict is difficult these days. I'm much more comfortable when we are celebrating unity, when people lift up the things we have in common. That's not so much how our society is functioning at the moment. And it's challenging for me. Perhaps that's why when I was reading this passage from Isaiah this week, I was particularly drawn to that very last verse. Your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt. You shall rise up on the foundations of many generations. You shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to live in. I love that term, the repairer of the breach. There's quite a breach in our nation today, isn't there? There's incredible division, broken relationships, mistrust of the other, and inconceivable injustice. It's everything this Enneagram 9 despises. But I'm sure that most people in this room find our current state of affairs reprehensible. In this passage from Isaiah, God is speaking into another context in which reprehensible things were happening. The Hebrew people have been in exile. Their lives as they knew them had been destroyed, so they cried out to God. They increased their time in worship. They fasted. They thought they were doing all that they could to find favor with God, and yet they felt that God was distant or perhaps had even abandoned them. And what we read, what we read today is God's response. Old Testament professor Dr. Bo Lim describes God's reaction in this way. He writes, Israel complains that God has deprived them of justice. God responds by demanding Israel to stop depriving those around them of justice and righteousness. He says, even though Israel has been attentive to the ritual ordinances of the law, they have completely neglected the ethical demands of it. The people believe they are the victims when they, in fact, are the victimizers. Sure, they went to church. They publicly proclaimed their allegiance to God. If you ask the people around them, I'm sure they were considered people of faith, and yet it was empty worship. It was nothing more than paying lip service to their religion. On the Sabbath, they prayed and fasted, 
But during the week, they complained, they, they behaved in a completely opposite manner. Sound familiar? This is not what I want, God proclaims. I don't desire your worship if you can't treat your neighbors kindly. I don't want your fast if you try to elevate yourself in the meantime. Here's what I want, God says. Setting free those who have been mistreated and unjustly imprisoned. Feeding those who are hungry. Providing housing for those who are homeless. Clothing those without clothes. Striving for economic equality. Being present for your family. This is the fast I choose, says God. This is how you can worship me. This is how you become the repairer of the breach. Now it's important to note here that when God says, you shall be called the repairer of the breach, the you here is plural. In Texas, we would say y'all are called to be repairers of the breach. God is speaking to the community of faith, the entire community, and placing the responsibility upon the community to fix things. I think I've talked before about how the Christian Church, capital C, goes through a major shift approximately every 500 years, a concept attributed to the late great Phyllis Tickle. I've also mentioned that we are now in the midst of one of these periods of change. And with these shifts also comes major division. As we're currently in the midst of another shift, it's difficult to know where exactly the chips will fall and who will end up on what side if we want to look at it that way. But what I'm seeing, at least as far as American Christian expression goes, is right in step with what we are seeing on the political landscape. In fact, they are incredibly intertwined, right? Faith and politics. And as November draws near, we will continue to see this division where religious groups align with political ideologies and social issues. So what do we do? Well, the Enneagram 9 in me wants to flee, to ignore, to find my safe spaces and to live in my happy bubble. That's maybe attractive for most of us some days. But reality says that we cannot escape it, nor should we, if we are truly trying to live into what God has called us to do. In thinking through this call from God to be repairers of the breach, a dear friend of mine, the Reverend Erica Bredden, shared this analogy with me. She said, imagine a boat with a hole in it. The boat is our life and our faith, and the hole, of course, is the breach we are called to repair. She says, we have two choices. We can either spend all of our time bailing the water out of the boat as more continues to leak in, or we can accept that the water will continue to rise for a short amount of time while we fix the hole. Either way, she says, the boat remains afloat, but one will exhaust you in the long run, leading the boat to fail anyway. I like this image. 
But I would add that the best possible solution is when we have more than one person in the boat. When we are living in community with one another, we work together. So maybe one person is bailing water while the other fixes the hole. Then the job gets done faster, immediate needs are met, and a long-term solution is in place, and we live into God's desire to be a community that fixes things. So if we're looking at the things that God desires, that means that some of us place our energy literally on feeding those who are hungry or providing housing to those without homes, while others of us strive to address the systems which cause people to live in poverty, maybe writing to our lawmakers or ensuring access to education for all of our children or making sure people have reliable transportation to get to work. It means speaking up. And as difficult as it is for the Enneagram 9 and me to say, maybe even creating a bit of a stir to get things done. All of these things are important, yet we can't individually do them all. It's impossible. But we all have to do something. In just a week and a half, we will gather back here in this space for our community Ash Wednesday service, and we will hear this text from Isaiah once again. Between now and then, I invite you to prayerfully consider how you might be called to contribute to our communal effort to repair the breach and to discern if this might possibly be something you could turn into a Lenten spiritual discipline this year. As the breach continues to widen, and it will widen, we no longer have the choice to sit back and to watch things get worse. God calls us to be the repairers. Are you in? May it be so. Amen. Thank you, and have a great week.